Welcome to the Word Podcast. The Lord God has given us His Word. Let us learn it. Let us live it. Let us rejoice in it. Spread the Word. Well, blessing, everyone. This is Dale. Thank you so much for joining with me today on the Word Podcast. If you've been with us in recent episodes, and I hope you have been, you know that we have been looking at a lot of details as to an answer that Jesus gave that his uh, disciples had asked him. They asked him a question, a couple of questions, actually. And they said, when are these things going to occur that you're talking about? And what is going to be the sign of your coming again and of the end of the age? And we have found out that the Word actually says a great deal about all this. And we do well to examine it. And it really is, I believe, a lifetime examination uh, to look at all the nuances, to look at the details. We can look at the bigger pictures, the big things, and we've been looking at that. We've been looking at portions of the Olivet Discourse, Matthew 24, 25, uh, Luke 21, Mark 13, and in Revelation in the 6th chapter and the 7th chapter and the first part of the 8th chapter, just to get an understanding about some things that are occurring, uh, just a, a surface you know, examination of it. Today I want to go to 1 Thessalonians. Because uh, the first and second Thessalonians both give us uh, some detail and some insight and some things. Uh, just a little bit about the history of it. Paul comes into Thessalonica, okay? He comes into and he shares the gospel, and he, and he does not get to share it long at all because he winds up being beaten and they run out of town. And he's there just a matter of a few weeks. <clears throat> but then he winds up writing back to them. And we have two letters, first and second Thessalonians, where he wrote back to them. And these letters that is believed were written uh, uh, fairly close to one another, and he was answering some questions and dealing with some things that had been reported back to him because he had to leave town, but other people stayed behind and reported, and et cetera, et cetera. So in the fourth chapter of First Thessalonians, you know, we may go back and do all of First Thessalonians at uh, uh, some point pretty soon, as a matter of fact, because I think it's worth uh, examining some things here. But he tells them in the fourth chapter to walk in a way that is pleasing to God. He tells them to abstain from uh, anything of sexual immorality because God's will is for us to be holy, to walk in sanctification. He's called us to uh, uh, purity and not to impurity. And he, then he tells me, I, I don't need to say anything to you all about this, but I'm going to say it anyway, that you really, really do need to love one another. And you need to love one another because in a way that will draw outsiders into you. See, uh, Jesus himself said that. I, I say this over and over. It's not by our buildings. It's not by our proper theology, our proper teaching. It's not by all the great programs we have and all the wonderful deeds we may do. Jesus said this. He said, the world will know that you are my disciples by your love for one another. It's by our love for one another. And I tell people, it rarely does a week go by when I don't tell somebody this. Because they'll say something, you know, well, why don't people go to church anymore? And I tell them, well, the main reason is because they've been there. Because they've been there. There's truly more love out in worldly places than there are in most churches. And people sense that. They pick up on that very, very quickly. So Paul tells them in 1 Thessalonians, uh, 1 Thessalonians 4 to love one another. But then he says this in verse 13. And you can tell by the way he's writing. He's just dealing with uh, different topics. Verse 13, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep so that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. And what he's speaking of is about those who've died. Believers in the New Testament are always described as asleep. Uh, the worldly people are called dead. 
believers are asleep. And this is not talking about what the world would call a soul rest or something like that. No, 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 no. It's just the fact that when we're absent from the body, we're present with the Lord, but our body is still absent. But a day will come when the Lord will unite us with our glorified body. So he says, I want to tell you this to where you will not grieve like the rest who have no hope. The world has no hope. And so in death, you see them mourning and crying out the way they do. Now, there's nothing wrong with uh, sorrow and tears and crying when someone goes on to glory ahead of us. Okay, nothing wrong with that. But I believe there is something wrong when somebody cannot see the distinction between the rejoicing of, uh, of the family and the friends of a believer going on to glory and someone who's a pagan in the world. And I tell you, from time to time, I see that. Okay, from time to time, I see people who profess to be believers and claim to be Christians, and yet they don't realize the hope that they have. And so that's what Paul was saying. I don't want you to be like that. I don't want you to grieve as the rest do who have no hope. Then he says this in verse 14. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. So he says that if you believe that, and he's not talking about someone like me believing this on behalf of somebody else. No, he says, if you believe this when you die, if you believe that Jesus died and rose again, then you can know this, that the ones who are in him, who have fallen asleep in the Lord Jesus Christ, that God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Verse 15 says this, for this we say to you by the word of the Lord, so Paul was saying this, this is the word of the Lord. He'd received this from the Lord. He knew it was a word of the Lord. And other places in 1 Corinthians, for example, Paul says, you know, I don't know whether this is the Lord or me, but this is what I think, which really gives us insight as to how these folks wrote these letters. Because the Lord says, Paul, what you're thinking is my word. You don't know it, but it is. And he left it in the letter, right? For he says this, back to verse 15, we say to you by the word of the Lord that we who are alive and remain, until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. And you think, well, okay, precede in what? Well, we're about to see. Verse 16, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. So the ones that are dead in Christ who are already with him, and yet whose bodies are still dead, they will arise first, really before we arise. And that arises is what we call uh, uh, the rapture, okay, the taking away, the snatching away. And he says, don't worry about this, because the Lord is going to take those who are dead in Christ first. Then verse 17, then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we shall always be with the Lord. So it's showing us that when the Lord returns, and we see some things, it's going to be it's descending from heaven. It's going to be with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God. Some of the things we've looked at, we've seen where angels have been speaking for. We've seen where trumpets are blowing, uh, seven trumpets. I don't think that that's the seven trumpets right here. I think this is the trumpet of God. It's a different thing. But we see a lot of parallels with what we've examined so far and what the Lord has said about his coming again and answering these questions. But the big picture is this. Paul is saying this, that the ones who are dead in Christ are going to rise first, and then we're going to meet them 
in the clouds and we'll meet the Lord in the air. And that's the reason that we sort of believe that this, uh, that, that he will raise them up before us is just in a moment's time. A lot of times people say, oh, well, they will uh, come forth from the dead a second before we do. Really now? We have no idea as to how long it's going to be, but it's going to be quick because we will be with them and we will meet the Lord in the air. Now, there's one more verse that closes out this fourth chapter of 1 Thessalonians. Listen to this verse. I'm going to back up. Verse 17. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. Verse 17. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Some people had been lying to the, the believers in Thessalonica, in Thessalonica. They had told them that the Lord had already returned, and to quote a phrase, that the Thessalonians had been left behind. <laughs> and the Lord says, no, 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 no. Here's what it is. He gives the word to Paul. Paul writes to them, tells them what the truth is in the first book and the second book. We'll look at a couple of them. <laughs> and he says this, and he says it a couple times. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. You know, all too often people say, well, I'm just not going to worry about the stuff in the end times, what's going to happen. It's just going to all pan out. Well, that's cute. Really, that's lazy and that's slothful because the word tells us that the proper understanding of such is a source of tremendous comfort. And we're to comfort one another with that information, that knowledge. Think about that. I'm Dale. I'll see you again next time. Goodbye.